the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Japanese seafarers are getting old. More than half of the crew aboard Japan's extensive coastal shipping fleet are over the age of 50. Now, that's a pretty significant problem for a country with around 400 inhabited offshore islands, many of which are visited by ships around twice a day, once in the evening and once in the morning. Autonomous shipping has therefore been seen as a very practical solution to a big social problem in Japan. And that's what I want to talk about this week. But before we get to that, I want to take you on a slight detour to the moon. The economist Mariana Mazzucato has long been advocating a mission approach to address society's complex challenges. And in her latest book, she zeroed in on the US Apollo astronaut program of the 1960s. Apollo had a clearly defined goal of landing humans on the moon within a decade. It required huge expenditure. The equivalent of around $200 billion in today's money was spent in just over a decade. It involved large numbers of people from different organisations. It required unprecedented coordination across government departments in a range of policy fields, as well as private actors. Silos had to be broken. Chains of command had to be reorganised. Now, I heard Mariana talk on this topic last year at the Global Maritime Forum, and I've been thinking a lot about what she's been talking about ever since. Here's a quick snippet of what she said at that point. To get to the moon, it required huge amounts of collaboration between sectors. It was not just aerospace at all. It required investment and innovation in sectors like nutrition, electronics, um, materials, software. I don't know if you've seen the film uh, Hidden Figures. It's wonderful about African-American women actually at the heart of a lot of the data and software revolution. And in some ways, software itself, as we know it today, was an outcome of the moon landing, but that kind of cross-sectoral spillovers that happened and all these kind of things that we think, you know, are just coming down from the sky, but, you know, camera phones, foil blankets, home insulation, and so on, were solutions to the homework problems that were required to get there. My earlier book, uh, Entrepreneurial State, was all about the iPhone and how, you know, if you don't like what I'm telling you about the state, then throw out your iPhone, because everything in your phone, internet, touchscreen, Siri, um, GPS, all of those were innovations that actually came out of purpose-driven public institutions like DARPA with the internet. And what's so interesting is DARPA didn't say, oh, we need the internet. They said, we need the satellites to communicate. Or GPS, basically funded by the Navy. The Navy never said, we need GPS. They needed to know where the ships were in the oceans, GPS a solution. So a lot of these examples, but also in, in, in modern times of some of the greatest technologies that we have, have been actually outcomes of purpose-driven innovation. So instead of obsessing about quantum computing and driverless cars, what are the problems that we have which then require these technological changes to come about? There's lots of lessons on how to structure that ecosystem. Now, what has all this got to do with ageing Japanese seafarers and gambling, you may well ask? Well, this week I had an interesting chat with a gentleman called Noato Nakawaga. Now, he's the former head of the Japanese delegation to the IMO's Marine Environment Protection Committee, but he's now at the Nippon Foundation and in charge of something called Maguri 2040. 
This is a project that promises to deliver practical implementation of fully autonomous navigation in Japan by 2025. Yes, you heard that right, 2025. The aim is not autonomous technology for the sake of it, but a program that will improve the flow of goods, people, costs, and traffic around Japan. Meguri, by the way, is a Japanese word for flow. The seafarers, the over the 50 years old people, uh, up to the 50%, and the, you know, 26% elder than 60 years old. So within 10 or 15 years, so those people will be disappeared from the market. And uh, the young people, they don't want to be seafarers because, uh, you know, they left home and uh, with the families and the very poor internet connections on board the vessel. So, uh, not attractive workplace. The dwindling attractiveness of seafaring as a career option is of course not unique to Japan. But the importance of coastal shipping to Japan's economy has raised this well above the average political risk list. Hence the political support for autonomous shipping to be the answer to what is essentially a social problem. There are currently five consortia made up of dozens of companies in the process of developing new equipment, systems, technologies and frameworks, and they have already completed the demonstration tests of these projects ahead of schedule. This isn't just a single project, and this isn't just a shipping problem. Japan is expecting to become a world leader in the industries that are inputting on this development. These tests will be the first demonstrations using large vessels navigating over long distances through congested sea lanes, and according to Mr. Nakawaga, the results are expected imminently. 2025, the commercialization is our target. Wow. So okay. already uh, we have achieved the, uh, the test phase mm-hmm. uh, by early in the, uh, this year. Uh, we have finished uh, the, you know, uh, field-proven tests already. Mm-hmm. So the next stage is uh, improved technologies and then commercialization is our target. Mm-hmm. Autonomous shipping, of course, is not a new topic, and we've had numerous guests on this podcast over the years opining on the degree to which autonomy is both possible and indeed desirable. As we know, sea navigation presents serious technological challenges in terms of telecommunications infrastructure between land and sea, and obstacle avoidance is a real issue, as well as the economic challenge of high development costs. And as a result, there has been limited development to date in the field of fully autonomous navigation for seagoing vessels. The Maguri project is interesting, not just because of its punchy timeline, but the way in which it is requiring a new way of looking at old problems. So bringing the innovation is a, we need new atmosphere. So we don't stick on the traditional uh, maritime industries. So mm. bringing something new, that is very important. The mission that Nippon has created here is a social one, and by drawing together industry, not just in shipping, but across technical specialisms in artificial intelligence and image analysis, together with public and private financing and various stakeholders into the project, well, 
That is all advancing the autonomy project faster than many other projects that have come before it. Japan's close-knit maritime ecosystem with large and willing shipping companies, technologically advanced shipyards, and a government that's closely engaged in innovation, that should, on paper, have produced results before now. But that hasn't always been the case. Actually, the, yeah, in the past, everything has been uh, led by government. Mm. And uh, as you mentioned, for example, the, um, in maritime sector, the megafloat and the uh, uh, super technoliner, mm-hmm. it's a very fast craft. Yeah. And uh, also the engines to uh, comply with the uh, IM regulations. So, so many uh, development uh, were led by the government. But uh, probably you know they are not so successful mm. because uh, you know the if the government lead the such around the project, mm. the the industry side just rely on the government. Mm-hmm. So everything can be led by a government. They think in that way. So. The commercialization totally failed. They failed in commercialization mm. in everything. So, we, the, why the Nippon Foundation now doing the uh, same thing as the government? Because we have experience for the commercialization in the offshore oil and gas sectors. So, we know the know how. Uh, how do do we support uh, the in- industries and to commercialize the their R and D? Mm. So the the biggest difference is that you know uh, usually government itself in the past case the government itself uh, they didn't manage the project itself. Mm. So they rely on they give the money and rely on the industry side. On. But uh, this case, we check the everything, and uh, we set the mind of the industries, and also the uh, you know uh, we give the advices and uh, bring the other countries companies to the project. So because uh, sometimes the uh, only Japanese companies cannot solve the. Uh, problems by themselves. So these changes, the Nippon Foundation bringing, and also uh, we have a confidence to manage uh, appropriately more than government. The Nippon Foundation may be a familiar name to some listeners, but perhaps not all. So it's worth noting at this point that Nippon is not a maritime-specific enterprise. It is, in fact, a philanthropic organisation whose mission is social innovation. It draws its funds, some 25 billion yen for the past several years, from the proceeds of Japanese motorboat racing, as well as various other government-licensed gambling. So am I suggesting that Nippon, via Japan's gambling habits, have somehow created a framework to catalyse innovation in shipping where governments alone have failed? No, no, of course not. But 
going back to my original detail of the moonshot and Mariana Mazzucato's point about collaboration, I do think it provides an interesting example that we can take some lessons from. This isn't, in my view, about public versus private. It's about thinking about these problems more holistically. Not every public investment pays off, but neither is the record of privatisation of public assets and the outsourcing of public tasks an unmitigated triumph. The rather laboured point that I'm making here is that goals must be shared and addressed collectively. Coordination and collaboration are crucial as they help to share the risks of innovation across different stakeholders. To get to the moon required an enormous collaborative effort among and across different sectors, from materials, nutrition to aerospace. Business and governments work together with businesses welcoming uncertainty and sharing the risks with government to achieve their common objective. Now, we don't do that as an industry enough. There are challenges ahead that are far more complex than navigating ships autonomously, and it is perhaps time that we consider how we start thinking about things a little bit differently and a little bit more holistically. That is where we are going to end the podcast this week. My thanks, as ever, to you for listening. We will, of course, be back again in about a week with more insights from the shipping industry. But for now, goodbye and have a good week.